Welcome to Buenta Vista Socialist Club, episode 44. I'm Andrew. Uh, I'm here with Theo. Hi, Theo. Hey. How you going? Hey. I'm good. I'm good. Having a nice weekend. I had a good TGIF last night. Uh, and how about you? How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm excited. We haven't had a, a guest in a while. Um, how, are my, how are my levels? Check, check. Check, One, check. Two. Yeah. check. Yeah. yeah, the juice that's loose flows mainly through the sluice. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good. Yeah. Um, ben, ben is still in Japan. He's off in, in the glorious land of Japan. And uh, Lucy is also, in a sense, in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy uh, is not with us because today she is uh, manning an anime booth at a yeah, comic book it's convention. The, uh, uh, it's the Barefoot is Legal booth, I think. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so we are joined um, by our esteemed guest, uh, host of Bodega Superstar and writer for BloodyElbow.com, uh, my favorite MMA website. Uh, we have Victor Rodriguez. How you doing, Vic? Yay. Hello. Hey. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me, guys. Oh, we've been we've been talking about doing it for a while, and it's it's taken us a while to hook it all up, hasn't it? Yeah, we got it kind of has. That's I mean, you people are in the future, so I can't really blame you. That's true. That's true. Uh, the the time difference is frankly silly. Yes, it's uh, it's too much. Sixteen hours? Come on. Yeah, Angie yeah. struggles just with uh, daylight savings. So that's true. Adding, that's true. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> that that's what literally caused us to have that miscommunication last time, but that's okay. I'm just saying that Obama would have never let this happen. That's true. That's true. <clears throat> uh, Twelve more years. Yes. How, however many more you would like. Yeah. Or something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so one of one of the things that uh, that Vic and I like to talk about sometimes, uh, as we did when when I appeared on his show a while ago, um, is Australia's weird uh, history of a lot of incidents of blackface uh, cropping up in the news. All that kind of stuff, especially considering that we don't have the sort of uh, cultural relationship to it that America does. Uh, so it seems like it's weirdly prominent how often it sort of comes up uh, in the Australian news. So um, every now and then uh, Vic will shoot me an article um, and then about a, a recent incident in Australia and I will set the big counter that says days since Australia's last blackface incident. Uh, back to zero with a sad look on my face. <laughs> oh, Happens more often than I would like. Uh, but he sent me one recently that was uh, kind of kind of a perfect encapsulation of of all of all of the real hallmarks of a classic Australian blackface incident. Uh, this article was titled uh, "Blackface Picture at Beer Olympics Lands Footy Players in Headlines." And I will uh, I'll just read a touch of this to you now. A controversy has enveloped a group of young men who painted themselves black at an Avocad Beach social gathering on Good Friday. A group of 10 young men has come under fire after a picture surfaced of them with their skin painted black and carrying a white mannequin on an elevated platform. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is worse than I remember. Oh. Mm. Well, there's a, there's a bit in here that I actually missed the first time I read over this. Uh, the group were participating in the annual Beer Olympics event on Friday. A picture of the group was posted to the Instagram account of participant Blake Jacob with the caption, Slaves for the win. Mm. Uh. Uh, that was the part I missed last time. <laughs> I didn't even, didn't even catch that part. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not uh, it's not great. 
it's not great. Um, it was heavily criticized on social media and taken down within a few hours. Um, this is seriously fucked up, wrote one of Mr. Jacob's followers. <laughs> so not okay, wrote another. Uh, Mr. Jacob defended his actions and told news.com.au that he was, quote, the least racist person ever. Ah. How can you argue with that? I, you know? I, I don't know, but yeah, I feel like there's something that might be missing from this. Was there not, and please correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't there a Confederate flag in the mix there somewhere? I wouldn't be shocked. There was also a series of, like, uh, photos from previous years where, so the same guys had been... You know, they, they're doing their little competitions or whatever. They're, like, having tug-of-wars with other footy teams. And, like, one of them is, again, all guys painted completely black and dressed up like um, uh, like Pacific Islanders. So, they're wearing, like, the grass skirts and everything. And the other team is all a dude, old dudes, like, dressed up as Egyptians. Hmm. I don't know why all of their costumes have to be, like, a race, <sighs> uh, I... an ethnic group. I mean, the Egyptian thing, I mean, I, I guess you can... I, I'm not saying that it's equally uh, as forgivable as wearing a toga, but I guess there's some sort of a historical context thing where... I, I just... I don't... I, I don't know where this comes from. And what confuses me the most about these examples of racism in Australia is how American they truly are. You know, the, mm. you see the Confederate flag, you see... You, you remember, you, uh, I believe you linked to this, there was a guy who was wearing a Klansman robe. And I'm thinking, yeah. where do you, I, I know we live in the age of the internet, but I mean, how does this guy get a cleanse robe so easily? Where was he planning on wearing this in Australia? And not only that, it was so prim and pressed. <laughs> Who dry cleaned this thing for him? <laughs> Did he make it at home? Did he like, yeah, I was, I was just, I was just mentioning this to Theo before we started that, um, that yeah, we had discussed this on a previous episode. A very similar thing of just a, a local footy club out in a in a country town, uh, a game of Aussie rules happening, and for some reason, standing on the sideline is a guy in a full Klansman outfit, <sighs> and it and it gets into the news, and people are like, uh, "What's going on? Why are you wearing that?" And of course, it it immediately comes back into the standard defense of this, which is, "Oh, it's just a bit of fun. Everybody's getting. You're the one making it weird," he said yeah. under his hood. <laughs> <laughs> which but, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure that sounded hilarious with the muffle of the hood. You're the one making it weird, yeah. like, well, <laughs> you asshole. Why would you do this? That's right. What about this looks racist to you? <laughs> but. Oh. Uh, but yeah, so in, in a, uh, here we have on this thing, in a verbal slanging match on the post, which has now been removed, Mr. Jacob said, quote, all you lefties need to get lost. It's all a bit of fun. I'm the least racist person ever. You can get fucked. Uh, okay, the two, <laughs> so, two things. There's two things that need to be noted here. Number one, the fact that, you know, oh, you lefties, because he's assuming that it's a matter of political ideology for one to look at something as grotesque mm. as that and say, hey, that's a problem and you probably shouldn't be doing that. But that's that's one thing. But number two, the fact that he is so clearly sidestepping the entire historical context matter. Because that's what all these people do, if you notice. I mean, it's always a matter of when you go to the controversy of the, uh, the, the Confederate flag here in America, even if you go to something different, say, for example, fried chicken, right? You make a joke mm. about black people and fried chicken. There's nothing racist about watermelon and fried chicken. Okay, the food in and of itself is not racist. 
but you're ignoring the historical context in which this has been used for mockery, and many times it's it's been used not just for mockery, but explicitly for political propaganda, and it's been used by very hateful people to use to uh, to implement uh, um, campaigns of of violence. You know, it ultimately it's what it leads to. So I don't understand how you can just to to be that selective to excise that portion of this whole equation. And then be like, nah, it's just a bit of fun. Well, I'd love to live in the world you live in because you're clearly very, very fucking oblivious as to what the true problem is here. Well, that's the the weird part with the Australian context specifically is that I think you can find other comparisons in things like, say, um, uh, there was a report that came out recently, which was the the result of an investigation into like hazing practices at, at like uh, you know upper upper crust universities, right and. So it's this it's this very similar thing where it seems to be this this practice that has just been adopted wholesale from American culture but it just sort of makes you go yeah but why like <laughs> this this strange thing where people have gone ah let's let's emulate like you know college movies from the states and we'll have frat houses and we'll haze each other and we'll you know like all all, all the horrible shit that comes with that but it's it's really weird how people seem to have just picked that stuff up and plugged it into a hole in Australian culture while seemingly just kind of ignoring all the very obvious negative stuff that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, the very much how I feel about the, the blackface stuff where people simultaneously seem to be aware of it enough to do it, but also constantly claim that like oh well it doesn't mean the same thing here as it does somewhere else it's it's similar to like um similar to like you know gollywog dolls and all that sort oh, of stuff yeah but yeah. You, you get you get people here who are just like oh well we don't have we don't have any of that kind of history of you know um of of blackface being really offensive and mm-hmm. slavery and all that kind of stuff so you you can't level the same sort of accusations at people it's like yeah but even in defending yourself, you're aware enough of the existence of those things to articulate them. So how where's, where's the mental gymnastics where you get to just split these things apart and ignore the bits that you that you feel like? Yeah, that's uh, that's ultimately where it lies, isn't it? I mean, it's the fact that that they're instead of focusing on their instead of reflecting on their actions and what they or whatever they may have said. It's just a matter of doubling down and going, no, 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 you don't understand. I mean, and again, going back to the Confederate flag matter, you know, we've we've had it flying over uh, state courthouses and and uh, it, it's it's a matter of just um, when you when you hear people say, well, we need to take that down. People, no, no, no. It's part of our heritage. Well, hang on a second. Mm. If it's part of Southern pride, if it's part of heritage, how come those flags didn't really start going up in a lot of these states until sometime around maybe the 1960s? Let me see. What was going on in America in the yes. 1960s that I should be aware of that might have been, oh, I don't know. I wish I could just figure this out. I wonder why there were Confederate monuments that were being built in Arizona, which wasn't even a state in sometime <laughs> around maybe, what, the 1980s, you know? Like, that's the thing that I don't get. It's how is this not... How do you not take a step back and just go, well, yeah, okay, I think we might have a problem here. And it's just brutal, man. I mean, I, I spent I spent most of my childhood here in the United States, and then I left the country and came back. It's like when you grow and you leave and you come back and you go, man, this is amazing. It's, it's embarrassing to see that you grow up with this idea of what America is and what it can be, and then you realize that the main exports of this country are violence and racism, essentially. 
And it's, I don't say that as, as, you know, I'm obviously I'm not proud of that, but it's like, you have no idea how sad that makes me, hmm. you know, now you guys are dealing with the consequences of that in some strange way. And I guess that's why I find it so fascinating, specifically in the case of Australia is like, wow, how did you guys get so good at co-opting our bullshit? <laughs> Just, I guess that's the main question. And it's reflected in, our, in, in your politics, which I guess we're going to get to later on with the whole, <laughs> my, my fascination with, with a lot of those things, which you've of course uh, discussed online. Yeah, it's a, like I said, it's a really weird one. You just sort of look at it and go, I like how how have you ported this across in this form? It's very strange. And like as you said, there was there was another defense by one of the players on that guy's Instagram post saying, um, saying, oh, you know, it's it, it's all stuff from the past. Like you can't cry about it forever. It's just a joke or whatever. So just this idea of being able to declare to other people when something stops being significant enough to care about or to talk about or anything like that well if it were ancient greece perhaps but i mean we're talking about less than two centuries first of all uh not only that but the fact that the reverberations of this have been are still being felt today and i think that's another sad thing that people in america don't realize just how deeply that affects people in in day-to-day life now like the carceral state that we have like the uh election laws in different states that are meant specifically to disenfranchise minorities or redlining and things of that that sort i think a lot of people don't know what that is and the fact that it exists and it's very easy in america to segment yourself away from other people and not have to deal with their opinions Mm. and you know it's easy to immerse yourself now in the age of online to to get to these twitter rage echo chambers to you know all the pc police is running rampant on college campuses you know and they're watching fox news and all it does revalidate a bunch of bullshit that they already believe or that they're inclined to believe because of their environment but you know they don't have anything to really challenge that in in a factual way so you know it's 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 kind of it's kind of sad you're you're stuck in that information loop well um so this brings me to another topic which is uh so so with that sort of stuff with you know country town footy teams doing stupid shit like that uh, to a certain extent, you got to look at that and go, yep, there's a bunch of really dumb guys doing something dumb and they don't really get why it's dumb and that sort of thing. So like, I, which, which is why to a certain extent, it's really shitty, but you also, as we have done, you also got to laugh because it's just really f- fucking stupid. Oh yeah. Um, but then like kind of up at the other end of that, you have, uh, like at the high level of sports like that. Um, we, we've had a, a couple of things in the media recently about, um, a big time rugby star, Israel Folau, um, who is, I think like the, the biggest, the biggest star in the sport, basically. Um, he, he got into a bit of hot water during last year's, um, big public debate over, uh, same sex marriage, the legalization of marriage equality. He um he tweeted something uh, during uh, our, our big postal survey, a big silly postal survey thing, uh, which said, "I love and respect all people for who they are and their opinions, but personally, I will not support gay marriage." Uh, peace sign emoji, love heart, praying hands. <laughs> peace sign emoji. <laughs> peace sign emoji, praying hands, love heart. Oh, and like, wow. and so you know, there was there was a big uh, kickback about that from people saying like. You know, obviously, a lot of people immediately rounded on that as, but you know, so why do you want to? Why do you want all all these other people to not have the same rights as you? Um, f- like to me personally, I think that was relatively innocuous in the sense that, like, yeah, I it's not what I agree with, but 
he didn't like I, I don't know he wasn't yeah, if, saying if, if you're gonna have that opinion that's probably the way to state it if that's you, about as respectfully as yeah. you can as you can say it it does beg the question did he especially need to publicly say I'm not going to support this thing and that's a matter for him you know um so th- so that one I kind of I, d- I didn't really know how I felt to that at the time whether I thought that he really deserved um you know how much he sort of copped it over that um but then he's he's been back in the news in the last week or two uh because he he posted something on Instagram which was like a little little shitty image macro meme thing uh about God's plan Mm. God's plan being being tricky, and uh, somebody commented on it and said, "What's what's God's plan for gays?" Oh, um, Christ. there's there's always there's always that one fucking guy. Oh my God! <laughs> oh, well, why why you got to do it? You already heard the first one. Now you want the remix? What the fuck, guy? <laughs> yep. So uh, luckily, luckily, uh, Falau felt the need to reply, uh, saying that God's plan for gay people was quote. Hell, in all capitals, unless they repent of their sins and turn to God. Now, that didn't go down that well with a lot of people, uh, which is pretty understandable, really. Yeah, you don't fucking say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <God. laughs> yeah. Did not did not go great. Um, uh. And, you know, understandably, also, it didn't go down well with, say, other gay union players or referees or any of that sort of stuff. Mm. Um so, the the complicating factor in all of this is that the the main sponsor of um, the the league that he plays in is Qantas Airlines, uh-huh. which which have a very very public, very strong like pro equality advocacy. Their their CEO is openly gay, and pushed hard for marriage equality and all that sort of stuff. So. Um, so the league, in turn, also has all of their own policies about equality and respect for for you know fans and players and <clears throat> at every level of the game. So obviously, this statement did, doesn't gel with that. Uh, this does mm. not gel with that for him as a representative of the sport. So I guess this starts to get into that kind of murky territory of. Um, you know, is is he is he expressing his own opinion? Is he is he saying something harmful? And like wh- where where this also gets interesting is that we were discussing an idea a couple of weeks ago um, in in the midst of a conversation about things like sort of represent representation politics and also like um, you know people either getting no platformed or or. You know, have, having a gig as a spokesperson for a company taken away because of something that they've said or, you know, some sort of bigotry that they've expressed publicly. Um, you know, whether or not that constitutes censorship because right-wing people get extremely mad about all that sort of shit uh, unless they're the ones uh, doing it at the time. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, it's funny how that happens, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's fine for them to ask for for university professors to have their tenure revoked and for people to get fired from things and all that sort of stuff. But if it's a conservative person, it's happening to it's this horrifying um, breach of their their rights and their oh, right to free speech. Yeah, the, yes, the freedom of speech is always the first one. As if it were the government that were censoring them. As if these companies weren't worshiping at the altar of the almighty dollar. I mean, 
guys, I, I don't know how these people don't get it through their thick fucking skulls. That the main problem here is clearly the company that is in charge here is looking to make as much money as possible. If you offend a portion of what they find to be their financial constituency or their consumer base, then yeah, they're gonna they're going to 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 you know, throw you over like flotsam because why not? And and just keep moving. I mean, I don't know why that's such a difficult thing. This is capitalism working, and you'd expect that the people that are the greatest offenders of capitalism, as is, would be a little more understanding of that. But you know, what I'm a little concerned about here is just I want to go back to the whoever it is that Asta is real about. Why, <laughs> why 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 couldn't they just ask him something a little more? You know, with the times, like Ayo Israel, what you know about eating ass? Like, can we can we just like <laughs> can we just do that? I mean, that's more like that's what the young kids are doing now, isn't that what what society is all about? We should move in that direction. And by is the he, way, is it God's plan to eat us? Please. Hey, it should be. Let me tell you something. I'm actually a little disappointed right now that Ben's not here. I think he's avoiding me because he's a coward because I knew that I was going to be asking him about eating ass. But that's okay. That's all right. Me and him are going to settle that later on. It's true. We are a pro-ass eating show. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a shared stance. Actually, I don't know if I don't know if we, if, if Theo's expressed his, his pro-ass eating uh, bona fides on the show before. Yeah, I'm interested to get it out in of that. I'm just, uh, Theo, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, if possible. There's a there's a non-zero chance that uh, my uh, my in-laws might actually listen to this show at some stage <laughs> in their life. I'm just, oh, God. Uh, I'm gonna have to go that that uh, that route. You know, I I love I came across this uh, the macro image that was uh, it's it's a bit of a meme now that's that's been floating around. It's the the one hippo biting the other one on the on the rump, and uh, it's the, <laughs> you know which one it is. It's the caption that says that the only ethical form of consumerism under capitalism is eating ass. <laughs> the only ethical form of consumption. There you go. Oh dear. Well, look, you you basically uh, reiterated. The, the point that I made on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, which was very much that, that, yeah, at the end of the day, these these companies are out for the dollar. So Qantas, um, Qantas for example, you know, they're able to look at the writing on the wall, the results of, of our postal survey to, to legalize marriage equality, which came back like, you know, 70-something 70, 70 percent in favor. And they can look at that and say, okay, the majority of the Australian public are in favor of treating people of all sexualities as equals so that's what we're going to do the you know if we if we offend people who feel differently to that we're offending a smaller segment of our potential customer base than if we go the other way like you said it's not fucking rocket science um but one of the things i said at the time was if you think that a company wouldn't like uh, allow this whichever offender they are to stick around if they thought they were going to make more money that way around you're also a fucking idiot. And Israel Folau is a very interesting and current case study of this. Because he is very much like the most popular player in the sport. Um, he, he effectively said immediately, um, like, I, I will walk away from the sport if they try to punish me for this or make me, make me, you know, make some statement to the contrary. And, you know, they, the, the, the governing body of the sport said, oh, we're absolutely going to, we, we're really unhappy about this. Um, we're, we're going to discipline him. It's going to be a whole thing. Um, they had a meeting with him. He came out of the meeting, wrote an opinion piece uh, that got published in a newspaper, 
which I think was supposed to be an apology, but it was actually just him saying, so I told them to fuck off and I would quit the sport if they tried to do anything to me. And they said, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and they came along and said, oh, we've, we've had a discussion and everything's fine now. And it puts mm. them in this interesting position because, you know, their they're major financial backers all have a very strongly held position about this, but also someone who is the most popular player in the sport and who brings in an audience and brings in money has said, I'm going to keep doing what I want, and if you push me too hard, I am getting the fuck out of here. Um, and as of now, nothing's happened to him, which I think completely proves the point. If you're, if you're bringing in the money, you get to stay. If it, if it is more profitable, profitable for the organization to say, look, this is too much of a headache. Let's just park this thing. But then they'll do that. Um, in that opinion piece, actually, he um, he said, uh, you know, I, I told the head of Australian rugby that like I'll walk away from the rest of my contract if you try and make me sort of walk this back or anything. Uh, and and he also said in the piece, um, like I'd rather lose my job, lose friends, even family, before I turn away from my religion. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Which. Which caused a um, uh, friend of the show, uh, Gordy Please, on Twitter. Uh, you can find him at Gordy PLS. Um, so he's he's a guy that I follow who um, is Christian, and he comments on matters of public debate around that. And his take on that was: this is literally the definition of becoming an extremist or a cult member, cutting friends, family, and professional ties in favor of your screwed-up understanding of religious principles. Uh, which I thought was a, an interesting take on it. The idea that rather than actually step back and look at what you're saying to just go, oh, I would rather not have a job. I would rather lose my family. I would rather... Yeah, I, I don't think he... I mean, it, it, it's tough to say. Look, I don't know what his financial situation is like if he'd be able to actually walk away from the sport, but I don't know what his contractual situation is if he'd just mm. be able to walk away over some dumb shit like that. Like, are you retiring? No, I'm just leaving because I don't want to, you know, uh, back down from what I had said. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm really confused about how you guys went about the, uh, the, the, the same-sex marriage debate to begin with. It's a similar to what happened in California because it, it, it was up to a vote, was it not? Uh, it was um yeah not quite you, you explained Thea. yeah yeah so we um so they said oh well you know we'll we'll put this to a non-binding postal vote mm-hmm. um it cost us um almost a hundred million dollars to do uh mm-hmm. where we basically um did a like a like a Facebook poll. Um, of the entire country to say, uh, you know, uh, send us a a smiley face uh, if you think gay people should be able to get married. Um, uh, Hit that anger button uh, if you you disagree. Um, We spent about 100 million bucks on that um, with the understanding that the result is totally non-binding. Uh, it's just hey, what, what's everyone's feel on this? How you, mm-hmm. how, how how's this catcher? Um, and then they got got it back, and they said, well, I guess I guess we have to we have to do, we have to do this now. Uh, and so uh, they dragged it um, through with a whole bunch of um, horrible pin-ons that that eventually got got shot down uh, one by one. Uh, and then at the end, they said, yes, we did it. Democracy in action. Um, you're welcome, gay you're, people. You're welcome, uh, instead of uh, just doing it like 
every other law uh, in this country. So Yeah, it's also worth noting that, like, I would say for the last couple of decades that that all polling in this country has just showed a steadily increasing majority of people in support of that being law. And rather than do what uh, what they would normally do in any case, which is to just introduce a bill and make it law, because you could clearly see that like three quarters of the country was in favor of this thing, which I should say as well is like in, in Australian politics over the last decade or so, it's a rare issue that has like sort of majority support. Things things are generally pretty like 50-50 divided along ideological lines here. Um, so it's pretty rare to get something where even a lot of conservatives are like, of course, of course people mm. should have the same right. Um, so again, yeah, they, they just, they spent ages and ages putting off actually doing anything about it. Um, and then it, it was originally going to be a, a plebiscite um, which is like like a referendum, except because it doesn't actually involve a change to the constitution, because um, that's what a, a referendum is—a binding change to the constitution. Right. Um, so so instead, they did a plebiscite, which in turn would have been non-binding, and then they said, "Oh, we're going to do it via the mail," uh, and then they stopped calling it a plebiscite and started calling it a postal survey which sure sounds like a big commitment um so yeah they they like theo said they have essentially just dragged it out as long as they possibly could um really dragged their feet on it did it the absolute slowest way they could and now um our current prime minister goes around giving himself credit for giving giving rights to the gays yeah good job yeah good job malcolm excellent you know, here's what i don't understand and what i find frankly to be somewhat insulting is that they would take something like that and put it subject it to a public vote i don't really know that that's the best way it's, it's kind of like when uh you know the, the uk voted to uh leave the uh the eu it's like really mm. you, you want to put that up I, I i don't know i mean i'm not saying clearly i'm not saying that they're the same thing but uh, things that have to do with something of that magnitude you know like i don't know the rights of a certain portion of a population or for yeah example, yeah you know the economic uh, future, and as well as the uh, the, the legal uh, circumstances surrounding how, how you're going to be affected by the entire rest of the region that you've had a partnership with. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that you want Carl down the street to be the guy to vote for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know he probably believes that the earth is still flat. I don't know that you want that guy. But then again, you know we got a lot of politicians that have fucked up views too so i guess i don't, mm. I don't know what i mean yeah. going for it. but but it's a good comparison because it had the same effect on the discourse uh except now carl down the street is uh you know talking about um you know the gay people on his block going to hell um which yeah. was just the entire country for several months yeah it uh it one of the things that sort of got flagged before it all kicked off was um was you know both advocates for for marriage equality and also people who worked in like social services saying, you know, we already know that, that young gay people are, are like young gay and trans people are, are most prone to suicide and all that sort of stuff. And now you're going to have a countrywide debate in which you ask everyone in the nation, do you think they should be treated as humans like you or should we all vote no? Like, just, just making a massive public discussion and debate over whether or not this whole section of the populace should qualify to be treated the same as everyone else. 
Um, and it wound up being exactly what we all thought it was going to be, which was incredibly harmful when they could have just said, we can see, well, every, everything shows us over the course of the last several decades that the majority of the country is in support of this happening. Let's just pass a law. Uh, but that's not how we do things here. We, we make them incredibly difficult and we really drag them out. Um, so, to, to come back, though, to, to our, our previous point... Oh, the part um, about the, you mean the part about eating ass? We're going back to that. I like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. As a sports reporter, do you eat ass? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy, let me tell you, I've been smoking cigars and eating ass since nine eleven. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was going to ask, like, with with, I I wonder how much of this stuff as well is specific to it being um like like sports, and by that I mean. Um, yeah, when when does somebody who is a sports person, when does something stop being a personal opinion or a political statement, and when does it start being something that you're that you're you know sort of tarnishing the reputation of of the sport that you're a representative of or an employee of? I mean, we you know we can kind of look at two versions of that. There's there's the Israel Folau thing of saying, oh, I think that all gay people are going to burn in hell forever unless they become Christians, right. which is not a super positive sentiment that you want, <laughs> you know, a, a big star of the sport putting forward. Um, but then, yeah, on, on the flip side of that, you got like Colin Kaepernick right. um, taking a knee during the national anthem. And, and that in itself is a very political statement. Um, it is, you know, the personal and political intertwined. Um, a lot of people obviously take a massive amount of offense to it, but you can also argue that Colin Kaepernick has been punished for that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's, 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 yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really follow American football very much. I, I don't, frankly, I don't really understand the game a hundred percent to be totally honest with you, but, uh, you know, it's, you can't escape it. So, you know, you, yep. you're constantly surrounded by people that, that, that are very much infatuated with the game and, and have loved it since childhood. And I keep getting the same thing from other people. It's like they keep signing folks that are not anywhere near as good as him. And he can he mm. just continues to get passed over time and time again. So, you know, sure, he, he got the bag early. You know, he had some uh, some money ahead of time. But, you know, he is donating to charity. He is putting... Uh, his money where his mouth is, and he's raising funds for other things as well. He's been a, a very strong community presence for a lot of uh, a lot of groups, and he's not just. It's not a matter of just saying something. He's decided to take social causes upon himself, and mm. uh, and and really move things forward. So I guess in that case, it, it it ceases to be a matter of what you say, and it becomes a matter of what you do. Um, and and he got a lot of stick for that because I remember at first, you know, what he was doing was to protest the anthem. He would sit down. Uh, that was found to be disrespectful. Uh, I guess some uh, military groups uh, had been you know, very upset about it. So he consulted with a group of troops and they said, well, what would be the respectful way for me to do this? And they said, well, what we do to honor those that have fallen is that we get on one knee. And so he started doing that. And even that became a matter of, of controversy and, and, and upset mm. because he's upsetting the troops, which, by the way, I should remind you, the national anthem is the national anthem, not the anthem of the troops. OK, it's yes. not exclusive for them. And by the way, the NFL is is taking money from the military to do this. This is essentially the most literal form of modern propaganda that you can find for the military in America. And I don't think anyone, I don't think people really grasp that concept. I think they hear the word propaganda and they think, eh, probably some old Soviet stuff. I don't know. You know, but but this is, 
this is exactly what it is at work and and what greater endorsement is there i mean you watch a lot of well i don't know if if the commercials are the same but you know when we watch a lot of mixed martial arts events and and you see all these commercials for the marines and the navy and all that and and they make it look fun they make it look like halo not even call of duty they make it look like you know you're gonna get these futuristic gadgets i'm like wow i'm expecting something out of titanfall to fall from the sky like no it's not that it's not awesome there's there's so much to this but they're trying to snag the younger viewers and give them this impression that you can be a hero that'll go out and defend your nation you're like it's it's this entire military machine uh, being pushed upon younger and more impressionable people especially that and I'm sorry to keep going on this tangent, but there's this one commercial that really pisses me off. Where they have Keith David doing the voiceover, which probably upset. It upsets me even more because I love him so much. But it's like, fuck you. Mm. It's 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 there's a series of pins dropping all over the world, like in real time landscapes, like you know, as if you were putting pins on a map. And it's uh, you know, yeah, like you're that... playing Risk. Right, exactly. But then there's a, a, I guess there's a, a family in a square. It's a mother, father, and a child, and then they're being surrounded by nurses and firefighters and cops and the implication of course being that they all served in the navy and uh it says to get to you they've got to get through us and you're like okay wait who's them who <laughs> who is us what the fuck are you doing how does this make any sense whatsoever who am i afraid of here and how are you protecting how is military uh uh adventures in in the middle east halfway across the world going to protect me from plots that are being set up in munich in london in in Kentucky, I mean, how does this work exactly? And there's never a concrete answer to any of this. But anyway, look, getting back to the NFL thing. So yeah, it, Kaepernick certainly is is paying one of the greatest prices because it's come literally at the cost of his career potentially. It's not very likely that he's going to be signed by any team unless maybe there's you know barring some franchise taking a risk on him sometime in the future when things have maybe died down a little bit. But it's going to come back, and he's not going to stop kneeling. He's already made this quite. Uh, evident um when it comes to going in the other direction right like right now we have ufc fighter colby covington who is mm, a real piece of shit <sighs> yeah you know man <laughs> look i i don't think i've even said too much about him online or anywhere else but i just like there's one thing to be to try to be this antagonistic personality to have like that outsized muhammad ali or superstar billy graham personality to mm. go out there and say outrageous things to get the audience riled up right we saw this before in mixed martial arts with chael sonnen who also said some very problematic and frankly racist things as well they kind of went under the radar but he'd do it with a wink and a nudge you know he'd do it like look i don't really mean this but i'm gonna say that you know america is the most advanced country in the world but children in brazil are playing with sticks in the mud which is an actual thing he said mm. um now of course i'm paraphrasing but you know you, you have that example and then you have what covington is doing where he's basically calling uh, a women's bantamweight title challenger raquel pennington uh her nickname is rocky he's calling her ricky you know this purpose mm. uh the purposeful misgendering thing this sort of uh uh the, the, what you see essentially like the ben shapiro strain of assholery you know that kind yeah. of thing and 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 it's it's just getting to a point where you're just like guy you're not even it's not a matter of i well look you, you know the, the old saying the adage is that there's there's no such thing as bad publicity right all attention is good that's not the case because this is something this is a situation where i'm noting that the reaction is please go away i don't want to see you anymore yes yes and like and you compare that compare that with say um uh yeah like like uh, Conor McGregor, who is 
currently the biggest star in the sport. He oh, yeah. he is def- he has definitely said things um, that are both homophobic and yes. racist in the yes. course of promoting his fights. Right. Um, I will I will say though that like. F- as as much as he does a bunch of not good shit, yes. um, he also does have the the you know Muhammad Ali intangible star power, like that that charisma that people are, are drawn to. Whether you know it, it might be the love him or hate him thing or whatever. Well, Colby Covington, it's just the hate him part. Yeah, well, and but the the thing that helps McGregor too is that you look at how he was very strongly in defense of marriage equality in his native Ireland, right? You see mm. the work that he's doing with, with for for with charities and and for for young people to get ahead and trying to do that. So you know, for all the outsized. All the, all the negatives that you have out there, you do have a bit of an outside of the fighting life contrast that you can look at and say, okay, well, you know, maybe I need to also take this into consideration to get a complete picture of what how complicated this person is. But then, you know, when you get someone who is using their religious beliefs as a shield or... Uh, I mean, I guess we'll use Israel in, in, in this case. At that point, you're not doing so much as activism for the rights of others. You're basically saying, you know, I'm going to remain hard-headed in my beliefs and convictions, and I'm going to make a statement of, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak my mind. And then if anyone asks me, well, fine, I'm going to double down. Well, if it were a positive thing and, and someone would have doubled down, like Kaepernick, for example, be like, well, yeah, all right, I can... You know, I can see that. That's sort of a, a natural human reaction. But then, then it gets to the messy stuff where it's like, well, then I'll just leave. Not you're not being made to leave. You're sort of the self martyrdom element. Mm. I, I I think there's something with that in a lot of these situations too. And I mean, I might be wrong. I don't know. But it, it's starting to. It seems to me like a bit of a trend. Uh, base former baseball player Kurt Schilling, who, by the way, hates government so much, but had no problem defrauding the government of the state of Rhode Island with millions of dollars, hundreds of millions, in fact, to uh, go off and make shitty video games. Uh, he he was uh he was terminated from his job at ESPN for again very right wing views, very uh lunatic fringe extraordinaire type things you know the usual boilerplate obama's a muslim and you know this is uh this is how the statistics of the real statistics of black crime and you go oh no oh no like honey don't do it you know that that kind of thing like he's gonna he Mm. just keeps going further and further out there and even though he's not an active athlete anymore it's it's not a matter of you defending anyone it's a matter of you just you know spreading shit everywhere and then going like hey hey don't you love America? <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Like what, the, what? Like you're the asshole for pointing out how wrong they are and how retrograde their views truly are. Yeah, well, I guess you you raise an interesting point, which is basically that, like I said, some some people are advocating for for the expansion of rights. Some people are advocating for inclusivity and essentially, I guess, positive things. I mean, granted, if you are like a hardcore evangelical Christian, um, you're not going to look at the, no. the, ex- the expansion of, of the status of marriage as a positive. You're going right. to look at that as, you know, a sign of the end times coming or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, like uh, at the end of the day, it's very difficult to argue that, that you're kind of doing anything positive or any sort of positive activism through arguing for the restriction of other people's rights. I, I read a, a really dumb piece by uh, idiot friend of the show, Miranda Devine, this week. Who <laughs> oh, is yes. A, a, a big, big right-wing columnist here. Oh, I know Miranda. <laughs> and yeah, and she was, lamenting the, she was lamenting the state of the Australian right-wing, right? And basically saying like, oh, you can't just, 
You can't just pretend that the culture wars don't exist, so you've got to get in and start winning battles, mm. which is in part hilarious, the mm. idea that the Australian right wing is, is pretending that culture battles don't exist. Like, the idea that the Australian right wing is not pretty much 100% consumed with culture battles at this point. They don't right. actually have any policies that relate to anything real actually happening. Yeah, I, I'm, just waiting, I'm just waiting for the first mainstream colonists to say, guys, we're not racist enough. <laughs> it's all That's I'm right. looking for. That's all I want before I die, which will probably be soon, but sure. We got to turn it up a bit. Well, part of the argument that she was making in this, ar- uh, in this article is that um, we currently have a, um, a, a race discrimination minister, minister commissioner, sorry, um, who, is, who is like a f- French Laotian descent. I want to say. I'd imagine they colonized Laos at some point. So, yes. Yeah. There you go. And, um, and she's like, we need to replace him with a white man and start winning some culture battles. And it's like, holy shit. That's very, <laughs> that's extremely, mm, a bit on the nose. But one of the things that she, that she said in this piece, um, again, it's one of those very kind of close but no cigar moments. She said, um, oh, it seems like the country always takes two steps to the left whenever the Labour Party is in power, but it only ever takes one step to the right, if if one step at all, whenever a Conservative government is in power. So we're, we're just constantly losing ground. And I thought to myself, like, maybe, just maybe, that's to do with the fact that, like, the, the left wing of politics, some people refer to it as, as being progressive, Almost as think about the root, the root word at play there, progress, things changing. Whereas what you're advocating for is conservatism, literally the ideology of just trying to keep things the same. So it's like, how is this that hard to put together? How is it that hard to string together the idea that it's much easier to over time get people on board with ideas that involve you know gradually changing things expanding rights you know bringing more people into the fold versus just this constant dreary grasping to keep things the same as they were 30 years ago you know there's only there's only a certain subset of the population that that's ever going to appeal to and that's people who either already have it good or it was better for them then right yeah, and and it's always a matter of the, the back then, you know, you always hear, well, you know, back in my day, you know, you could say that word and, I mean, you know, people weren't upset. Like, no, they were. The problem is they didn't have much of a voice and they didn't have much of an option to say, hey, you really shouldn't do that and you know, not lose their job or, you know, not get beat up or whatever. Hmm. Uh, but now we're seeing things obviously have changed at a pace that they can't really seem to understand. And it's similar to me to what, um, you know, if you look at, in some ways, it's similar to race relations, right? I mean, uh, there was an excellent article in uh, crack.com when, I mean, I don't know, I haven't checked in in forever, but I used to love that site, where uh, David Wong wrote a piece talking specifically about that, right? You, you look at how you have older, angry folks, mostly, of course, you know, when you have older, um, cranky white folks that are upset at the state of the country and the way things are going. Now, like, think of it as a football field, football game, right? You have one team that is ahead by 700 points, 
But then mm. the other team suddenly gets six touchdowns in a row. They're not seeing the fact that they're up ahead by this much. It's just a matter of they're seeing this as a zero-sum game in which they're losing. And that's why you hear people say things like, we're losing the country, right? The infamous uh, uh, mm. Chris Rock joke, like, we're losing the country, man. Like, you motherfuckers are losing. Who's winning? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you're ignoring, again, this is where we go back to what the whole blackface, like, you're ignoring the dynamics of power. You're not looking at how things truly are as far as structure. You know, it, when you look at the Obama presidency, right? Oh, they're running the country. Uh, excuse me. First off, again, who is they? Number two, uh, look at his cabinet. Look at Congress. Look at the Senate and the Supreme Court. Like, how? How is this in any way some sort of takeover? How are you really viewing yourself at a bit of a, at, at that much of a disadvantage? And I don't know if it's the fact that America loves an underdog story and to paint itself as an underdog in every situation, or if it's just that, again, those blind spots that we create for our, ourselves culturally and uh, our media doesn't exactly help. Our failed corporate media experiment is, uh, as, as it's referred mm. to. It's so weird when you stack that against like the Ben Shapiro's of the world where they're going, you know, facts don't care about your feelings and, you know, we're giving uh, people of color, you know, um, the reverse discrimination and, and, and all this sort of stuff where we're giving people people <laughs> jobs and welfare and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, yeah. have you, you haven't even stopped to look at, you know, the fact that, that uh, the wealth is generational in america so everyone still just has the wealth in their family from when uh white folks had black people uh to just build the country for them you know and you still haven't recovered from that um but still uh, like on the other hand like facts don't don't care about your feelings um i haven't really looked at the facts um not really concerned with the facts, but uh, I'm sure that they're on my side. Like, they just don't... Yeah. They, there's no, just this yeah. total disconnect between well, those two worldviews, you know? Well, Theo, I'm glad you brought that up because you made a very good point that you brought something interesting up about the uh, the element of welfare, right? You know, you, you keep hearing about how evil welfare is and how, you know, the welfare queen and all that. And the first image that pops up in the minds of so many people in this country are minorities. But if you look at any bit of census data, for, jet, for jet, just not even decades, generations. It's historically been white people that have been the greatest users and beneficiaries of you know, welfare as it was known, but now a lot of these uh, social programs that exist, it's not exactly welfare. So I don't, or rather not, uh, I should say that, not just uh, food stamps, which is um, not currently in the form that it was before, but just to, to, in the general sense of welfare, you know, the, the who is using it the most? It's not it's not minorities and yet still you ask somebody like ben shapiro of course and he's he's it's probably not a good example to use because he's um got a very vested interest in keeping that agenda alive but you ask any of his listeners you know common folk and they'll, they'll probably agree like oh yeah absolutely i know a ton of people who are uh, uh of a certain ethnicity or in a, in a certain neighborhood that they're all on welfare and you know okay all right good job mm. yeah it's all it's usually anecdotal but never with numbers but hey facts yeah. and feelings right that's it. Um, now, I would like to jump in and, and take some questions from the old mailbag before right. we run out of time. Uh, so, dipping in, we have a question right off the bat that is very relevant to our topics. Um, friend of the show, a Hack Fraud, uh, writes, um, What does Vic think about the Australian media's portrayal of Nick Kyrgios or person of color athletes in general? I've seen Glenn Greenwald talk about cover of Kyrgios as being tinged by racism, so it would be interesting to hear the thoughts of someone in the industry. Um, so are you are you aware of Nick Kyrgios? Yeah. You, he's I, uh, a tennis player? Yeah, he's um, he's of Greek descent, the, uh, the the one with the, the handsome one. I know who he is. Yeah. yeah. He's... Uh, 
he's an odd one. <laughs> he's a very he's a very strange guy. When you get John McEnroe to be like, yeah, that guy might be a bit too much. You know, there's, uh, <laughs> there, there's some elements, and I'm, I'm fairly certain that that's something that happened with him. Um, I don't I don't really know about what kind of um, what kind of racism he's endured or what kind of discrimination he's faced. I don't I don't think I'm. I think um he is he is a really interesting case because. As far as I can tell, and I've I've seen interviews with him where he has said things to this effect, but as far as I can tell, he fucking hates playing tennis. <laughs> um, he's he's just someone who got put into like um, you know high level tennis from a really young age has has an incredible natural aptitude for it, um, but doesn't particularly like you know getting up at whatever time in the morning to train and doing you know having having that oh, level of man yeah I love his life that. and everything you i like them i like him already because he's proving something i've uh, something a thought that i've had for many years which you know when someone dies and they're just like really really good at soccer you know they're really good at i'm sorry i'm sorry footy ah ah there we go <laughs> you get someone who's like they die and they're like well God just got another goalkeeper. And you're like, wait, what if he really fucking hated it? What if he was just really, really good, but he fucking hated it? It's not heaven you're thinking of, guy. There's something wrong here. But sure, yeah. No, I, I remember him. I, and, and I'll tell you what, I, I first caught wind of him because Deadspin had an article. Some heckler said something thinking that they could get away with it and be smart. And he's literally told him, shut the fuck up. And I like, mm. okay, there, this, this might be someone that I, <laughs> that I might want yep. to keep an eye on. And, and yeah, man, I mean, look, in, in the he, case, he of, gets into it with the crowd he gets into it with umpires he gets into yeah. it with like line line refs he um he's also basically admitted to like just tanking games when once he is at a point in a tournament or a game or whatever where he just feels like he's not going to win or he's not enjoying it or whatever he just stops like he's, he stops putting any effort into it and basically starts just almost deliberately losing the match to mm. an extent which is made like um made like the sort of sanctioning bodies look at it and go should we be considering this like deliberately losing or or whatever but i guess what's what's interesting in australian coverage of that stuff is that we have had athletes in the past like um leighton hewitt uh who is a, a a white australian tennis player who i always found fucking insufferable um <laughs> seemed, seemed like a real dick um, and, and was, yeah, just the kind of guy with a real sn snotty attitude and always shouting shit on the court and everything. But, pe but like, uh, Australians have this way of kind of defending certain players as like, oh, he's, you know, he's a larrikin. He's, he's, he's just, he's just out there kind of thing. Whereas people seem to have this completely different sort of really really kind of strong reaction to Kyrgios is like oh you know he's he's ungrateful he doesn't deserve our support <laughs> he needs to he needs yeah. to win us over like it was very yeah. much this kind of I think w what I take as like the both both the coverage and the relationship that the Australian audience has with Nick Kyrgios that um that uh, uh letter writer question asker is is asking about is is that different dynamic between whether or not someone's just kind of a dick, which is what normally happens, versus I've found a lot of the coverage of this guy to almost come across as like he owes us something. Yeah, well, you know, we you have know? something, we have that happen a lot here where like, you know, we see black players celebrating and they're seen as uh, arrogant. 
You know, I don't mm. like him. He's arrogant. And there's something that seems to fire off in the minds of a lot of the ways that uh, sports are covered here. Or there's, I, I like that that you brought up the whole thing about he does whether or not. Uh, you know, he, he needs to earn something, whether he, you know, he should be grateful. But where's this gratitude thing coming from? You already worked. You already, these people that believe in pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, motherfucker, that's what he did. He went out there, he excelled at what he did, and now he's on a grand stage. He has already earned it. What is it, what is it that, that you should be grateful for if they already did what they were supposed to do based on their own merit? And clearly, there's some help along the way, as any athlete, really. But I, I just, I don't understand where that mentality comes from. And yet, another commonality that we have even in our sports and how uh, race relations work in, in, in Australia and America because it's we always see that with black athletes it's like yeah he, he's just he, he's just a, uh, he should be grateful you know Kaepernick should be grateful that he lives in the greatest country on earth and that he, he got to play well, in the yeah, NFL that's, like, yeah that's well, what I was going to say like that that to me is also the one anytime that you see a black athlete in the states expressing yeah. any any attitude of like criticism of the league or the fans or the country itself you seem to get this like really, really overwhelming feedback of like, you know, oh, we we made him, a, this country allowed this guy to be a millionaire. So yeah. he should just, he should be grateful and he should yeah. sit down and shut up and uh, play the game. Like one stage removed from saying, go back to Africa. Yeah, it's yeah, about a stage yeah. and a half. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And that's the thing that gets me when it's in the NFL. The NFL, like what other league is it? Is it more difficult for some the the degree of athleticism and the just the grinding of your body that you have to do to get in? And it's somehow like somehow this whole meritocracy thing goes right out the old fucking window when it comes to that sort all of thing. All of a sudden, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we saw with LeBron James a few weeks ago. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Fox News is uh, Laura Ingram talking about shut up and dribble. You know, like it, mm. it's you, you might as well. I mean, it, she didn't. Of course, use a racial epithet, but you know she might as well because even though there was no racial slur used, which is another thing that upsets me when people oh, it wasn't racist, they don't use a racial slur. You know, like you constantly moving the goalposts, but whatever. Look, the context of that and the understanding, the dynamics of power at play. Here's a white yeah. person to her overwhelmingly white audience telling this person to stop talking about injustices, shut up and do what you're being paid to do. Yeah, oh, they only want to hear politics from like a 12-year-old with a bow tie on. Right, or <laughs> or, <laughs> or in the case of, of uh, for example, um, uh, the, uh, the football players that were standing for the anthem proudly and were running out to the field with the flag in their hands, or, you know, uh, uh, anytime that an athlete says something that's super pro-military and they go, yes, very good, and they uphold him as, as some kind of standard that we should aspire to. Well, like, well wait a minute. Mm. See, again, there's no consistency. And there's no... Well, no one says, is, keep the politics out of the sport. Right. Pal. It's the people that always say, keep the politics or, or stick to sports. That's the one. Stick to sports is always, always, always going to come from someone who's on the conservative edge. I Like, I will, I will bet you... A single nickel that every time you see that, just look for it every time. When someone says it on Twitter, go to their profile immediately and you'll see that I'm right. And it's just a shame, man. It's just, you know, it's there's no point in trying to explain their, their any of their hypocrisy to them because it's just they're not going to see it. You're going to be like arguing with a wall. They say, like, keep, keep the politics out of the sports literally as three F-15s are flying overhead, you know, banners just waving for uh, oh, U.S. Yeah. Marines and all this shit. Well, like I, it, yeah, like I always think... I always think about that shit they have at the start where they like they get a bunch of dudes from the armed services to come out like doing flag bearing and shit at the start of a football yeah. game. 
Yeah, because the military's like, paying for it. I mean, it's like, look, doesn't that look cool? You know, I, I had a, I used to work with a guy who grew up in uh, in in New York, and uh, I think it was in in the Bronx, and uh, he wanted to be one of the Nation of Islam guys. You know, he wanted to convert to Islam because he saw that these guys would always walk down the street, they'd wear their suit, they'd have their bow tie, they were very orderly, they were very well uh, well mannered, they were respected. And, you know, the, the the tougher guys in the neighborhood would leave them alone because these guys were, you know, of, of a certain stature in terms of their behavior. And, and and their um, uh, you know what what they were trying to do. They didn't look for any problems mm. with anyone, so no one really brought problems to them. And he kind of as a as a younger person, he looked up to that. And I think there's something at play that's similar to to that whole thing. And that's probably why again the military propaganda paying the NFL to do this sort of thing is exactly that. It's just a matter of like, hey, doesn't this look awesome? Isn't this what a real man should do for his country? Mm. Maybe you should join in on this. It's a, it's some good shit up in here. You should join. Get yourself a, a drone and a space gun. Mm. So, uh, well, let's see what else we got in the old questions here. Uh, lover of the show, Chris DeDonna asks, uh, is is Cynthia Nixon the best anti-Hanson we have going? <laughs> well, I mean, she's, uh, for starters, she's super smart and uh, she's saying things that make sense and she's not full of shit. So that right away is like the bizarro planet version of the whole thing. It's like, you know, when we talk about being on polar opposites of the planet, it's like they're on mm. polar opposites of the spectrum and of being generally a pretty decent person because... Pauline is quite shit. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, the funniest thing about Cynthia Nixon is that she's already made uh, the New York State governorship better. Because now her uh, the, the person that she's running against in the uh, primary, the person she's challenging for the position within the Democratic Party, is uh, now kowtowing to her in, in some instances. Now it's like, well, you know what, maybe we should make cannabis legal. Hey, you know what, maybe we should fix the subway. Yeah, well, that, that would be nice, but uh, why don't you work on that before, guy? You know, this is like when Bernie Sanders was dragging Hillary to the left. You know, you didn't really hear mm. her talking about maternity leave and the minimum wage going up, now did you? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Theo and I were just, just talking about this before, how uh, there was a, a video from an Australian political commentator called uh, Barry Cassidy that was doing the rounds this week, just like a little one-minute long thing, where he was talking about a, a, a like um, commission, uh, an inquiry into the financial services sector in Australia that's currently going on that's been extremely long overdue it's been uh, very very clear for a very long time that um, there's there's just hugely immoral practices going on much like um, much like in the states with the whole subprime mortgage crisis where you know it's the kind of stuff that people looked at and just said but how could they just do that for as long as they did? Why? Yeah. And like the, you know? like the mortgage and thing, it's just been like opposed by the conservative government for, for ages while everyone goes, well, hey, uh, this is super fucked up. Why don't you take a look at that? And like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 that's, that's fine. So, so yeah. the conservative government in power has finally been forced into running, a, a running an inquiry and the stuff that's been coming out of it has been uh, pretty shocking to people, to put it mildly, including things like charging ongoing service fees to dead clients and oh yes um yeah a lot of a lot of classic really gross stuff um i think the most the most prominent takeaway is that it's incredibly inappropriate for um for companies in the financial sector to be both a bank a banking institution and to offer um financial advice as one of their arms of business because Obviously, they just incentivize their own financial advisors to say, hey, sell people our banking products and we will pay you money for it. 
So that's all the shit that's been coming out of this thing. Um, and so one of the things that Barry Cassidy was talking about in this video was that and marriage equality is the example of we are just bereft of any kind of leadership in this country because like the and whoever is in government at the time just has to be dragged by the public to doing any of these things. They have to be put into a position where it finally becomes clear to them that they will lose their position of power or they'll lose their seat or they'll lose, you know, being the mayor of New York or whatever if they don't finally take some action on this thing that everybody has thought was a sensible thing to do for the last 15 years. Right, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, we had something We had something like that back in 2008. You know, Obama won. 2010, the congressional and uh, senatorial midterms came up. And, you know, it was the, the people challenging the right from the right, from the further right, which is what led to, hmm. uh, you know, dumber and dumber people getting in. Of course, Sarah Palin being a catalyst for all that. And we don't need to retread that ground. I mean, sh Jesus Christ, hmm. she was terrible. But, yeah, you know, what, what I like to call the illiterati, eventually took over and now we have people in the senate that don't understand how the, their job is supposed to function and you know they hate government health care but they like that government health care when it falls onto them as a governmental employee as someone in the senate so you know it it um it's interesting how you know the primarying from the right made such a deep difference in this country and how we're being governed and yet now we're seeing a lot of these challenges from the left and cynthia nixon is just the latest uh, high profile manifestation of it it's an, it's i am actually marveling at this even if she doesn't win that's enough like i feel that there is something very very great that she's doing with all of this and hey listen <laughs> if she can uh, start getting things like i don't know health care for everybody and the richest nation on earth that, that might be nice was it was it Chuck Schumer that was saying that they're they're gonna introduce a bill? To oh just yeah, like he introduced a, he introduced a bill today, not to legalize, but to decriminalize cannabis, which is even more mm. amazing than just uh, legalizing it. That's a uh, that's a big step. <laughs> I, I don't but, know yeah, that it like, succeed, but you know, yeah. But it's it's just another a perfect example of just really seeing the writing on the wall and saying, ah, fuck, we got to do <laughs> now. We got to do something with this. And getting dragged to the left slowly. You know, we'll get there. Uh, the, the Australian Greens just uh, have attempted to introduce a policy to uh, legalize recreational uh, cannabis. Yeah, it had to be. It had to be the Greens, huh? That's cute. Of course. You guys really, you guys really know how to run a theme. I love you guys. <laughs> Holy shit! So, um, but of course, and that that won't happen for a while. But it will happen. It'll just be like the marriage equality thing. We'll we'll just absolutely drag our feet until past the point when it should have happened quite a while ago, and then we'll finally get on board. Yeah, I guess so. We have one final question, actually, uh, from All lover right, of the sure. show, is Turn Turning Point Albuquerque, and uh, they ask: Is Pauline Hanson on WikiFeed? You know what? I, I, she should be. I, I don't see why not. Everyone is, isn't it? Isn't every woman on Earth on, on Wikipedia at some point? I'd hope so. It, it's about the brave foot lovers out there who do the hard work to put them on Wikifeet. Um, and we, we salute yeah. each of them. You got to be a real dedicated fan for that. Yeah. No, but you know, I, right. I, I'd, be, I'd be disappointed in some ways if she wasn't because it's like you need to have some degree of consistency. But in a way, I'm kind of hoping she's not because I want to preserve this image in my mind where like she takes off these tall boots and like the first foot, she pulls it out of the boot and it's just this giant 
cloven hoof right (laughs) and then then the other boot she takes it off and it's like a slow drawing of what are talons like an eagle's claw with very very black nails (laughs) and you go wow what the hell was that and you realize that there's like crust on the edges of it and you go yeah that's imagined that that's exactly what i could envision pauline hansen being like and i'm glad that my suspicions were confirmed and that's that's how i don't want to ruin that you don't want to dispel that that beautiful image you don't want you don't want to know how hot dogs are made ever (laughs) 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 oh dear all right we are gonna leave it there as always uh if you would like bonus episodes of the show you can get on over to patreon.com forward slash bunta vista and subscribe over there for sweet sweet additional content um what uh, what else have we got theo we got merchandise now i bought one of our own shirts yeah awesome We have some merch. You can go to buntavista.com forward slash merchandise. Uh, mm. And we can we can sell you a thing if you're into it. Hey, let, and let me ask hey. you one final question. Uh, all the all the pictures that those guys at that anime, that, was it an anime convention that, that Lucy's at? Yep. Yeah, all those guys that are going to be taking pictures of her feet, are they going to sell that and put that towards the Patreon money, or how does that work? I'm assuming they're just going to all post them to WikiFeet. Oh, awesome. They're going to flesh, flesh out Lucy's entry on Wikifeet, because as we have clarified. It seems like it's impinging on our um, IP, but all right. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a bit of a problem. But maybe with the, uh, with the advertising money from Wikifeet, you know, maybe you guys can get cut in and, you know, we can get some IBS treatment. Or maybe we should keep that running, too, just to keep the, just to keep the running gags about flatulence and all the uh, irritability going. That's right. If you, if you treat it, then, you know, what do, what do we have to talk about? If we sort that out, we got to think of a whole other thing. Yeah, you can't kill Dracula in season one. What the fuck? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for joining us, Vic. We should probably check. Uh, Vic, uh, any plugs for you? Uh, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on uh, uh, first off, I just want to, um, uh, for anyone who does any sort of grappling or anything like that, the Sloth Report, my buddy Josh Bogle, the slothreport.com. Uh, you put a little money in his bucket, $5 a month, and he throws a ton of techniques and great, just awesome advice at you. My podcast, Bodega Superstar, which has been on something of a hiatus for, I don't know, the last maybe six or so months uh, due to work situations. And uh, I'm on Bloody Elbow. I'm on Twitter at Vic M. Rodriguez. And uh, you will find, uh, you know, maybe a lot of political stuff, some fights, and a lot, a lot of jokes about eating ass because I got to stay loyal to the brand. That's true. Very true. All right. Well, thank you again for your time. And we'll see everybody uh, over on over on the bonus episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. See you.